The, the theme for this month is building a protective wall around your heart. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 in the New King James Version reads, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. The New Living Translation reads, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. The New English Bible says, guard your heart more than any treasure, for it is the source of all life. The Knox translation reads, use all thy watchfulness to keep thy heart true. That is the fountain whence life springs. So the Bible admonishes us to keep our hearts or guard our hearts or Watch over our hearts. We are exhorted to use watchfulness. Very interesting. That word, keep, is the word N-A-T-S-A-R, pronounced nota. N-A-T-S-A-R. The primitive word thereof means to guard. Speaking about guarding, in a good sense, it means to protect, to maintain, look after. On the other hand, in a bad sense, it means when you want to conceal something. It's like you are hiding something. So you've got to hide your heart, conceal your heart, guard your heart, look after it. Or like when you are preserving something, when you are watching over something. So this verse suggests that we need to look after, guard our hearts, protect our hearts, take care of our hearts. And the word heart is the Hebrew word L-E-B, pronounced labi. It speaks of the heart, but it's, it's not talking about this organ that pumps the blood. Though it's, it's, they use that organ in a figurative sense. Widely it speaks of our feeling, our will, or our intellect, or the center of everything. When we speak figuratively, we talk about the heart of the matter. We say go to the heart of it. You're not saying a matter has an organ called a heart. But you're saying that's the core, the very center. So the heart, therefore, is used figuratively to speak of the core of our being. And I'll explain that later on. Some commentaries that comment on Proverbs 4.23, let me read you three of them. Kale Daily Commentary comments as follows. It says, before all that one has to guard... Guard your heart as the most precious of possessions committed to our trust. Your heart is the most precious. Because the Bible says it is the it is the it is the it is where life springs from. That is where life comes from. The heart, therefore, as it's used that word, it denotes that which is substantial to man. For instance, when you talk about a nut, a nut has a has a kennel or ribiza pit at the center. All right? So if you look at a nut and you go to the pit, the kennel is the heart of the nut. Even the almond has a kennel in the center. It's the pit, is the center. So, so here it's not really talking about, as I said, the physical heart, but it's talking about the center of your being or your ethical centrum, the core of who you are, what makes you who you are, your spirit. The core of your being, your feelings, your thoughts, what molds you, what makes you who you are, the center of your being. Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown comments as follows. They say, keep the heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So says, keep your heart with all diligence. Note, God says, do it with diligence. It means you've got to apply yourself. It means more than everything else that requires to be kept. Above everything else that requires to be looked after, your heart is number one. In other words, more than the treasure of your body, the treasure of your wealth, the treasure of your house, we ought to keep our hearts more than anything from being tainted with error. We should make sure our hearts don't sink into vice. Why? Because our heart is prone to sinking into evil. So it says we need to keep our hearts because it is the center of everything. It says, for out of it are the issues of life. 
What does it mean? Just like the heart sustains your body, just like your heart pumps blood all around your body, so the sustenance of every part of your body is dependent on the heart supplying it with blood. In the same way, the heart is the fountain and the source. See, if you take the heart of a person out, then they can't live. And the heart is so important that it supplies everything with blood. Just like every organ in your body depends on the function of the heart. Because it, it pushes that life and that blood into it. The same way your spiritual heart is the source of all of your life. So in other words, if you want your life to go well, if you want everything about you to go well, you've got to make sure you look after your heart. You take care of your heart. Can I hear an amen in the, in the house? Adam Clark says, keep your heart with all diligence. He says, above all keeping, guard your heart. In other words, it is because it is the issues of life, the heart is so important. You need to have double watch for its safety. You need to look after it more than anything else. So let's go for it. So the, the heart, therefore, I said, you know, we use the broad definition of heart. The broad definition of the word heart in scripture refers to the following. I'm going to say them fast. You won't be able to write all of them. So you need to get this CD or this podcast. So write as fast as you can, but you're, I promise you, you're not going to cope. Okay. Tell your neighbor, hey, but I can't little, I can't cope. Anyhow. Okay, here's the broad definition of the word heart in scripture. It means the soul, the center of our being. The center of our being, the center being, then we'll remember. Okay, I'm trying, I'm trying to be nice. I want you to get it. It's the soul, the center of our being, the inner man. The heart speaks of personality, the will, the mind. Yeah, a little who already. The inner life, intellectual activities. The heart speaks of attention, reflection, emotional states of consciousness. Let me go over that again because I'm being nice today. Like always, of course, I'm nice every week, sometimes. So the heart speaks of the soul, the center of our being, right? The inner man, the personality, the will. All right, the mind, the inner life, it speaks of intellectual activities, the attention, the reflection, emotional states of consciousness. I'll say it for the last time. The soul, the center of our being, the inner man, personality, the will, the heart speaks of the mind, the inner life. It speaks of the intellectual activities, the attention, the reflection, the emotional states of consciousness. So, you know, in a broad sense, so when the word heart is used, it depends on the context in which it's used. And it is the context that will determine which of these definitions apply. However, in our main text, when the word heart is used, it refers to the inner man your spirit, all right? It speaks of the seat of our desires or even our thinking capability. So the Bible says, guard your heart, guard your inner man, look after your inner man or look after your spirit or look after the seat of your desires or watch what goes into your mind, what you think on, what your thoughts dwell on. Why? Because your spirit and your heart, and I'll use these words interchangeably right through. Your spirit or your heart is your most important asset. It says above all your keeping, keep your heart. It's the fountain of life. It's the greatest treasure. Keep your heart because your heart, out of it are the issues of life. In other words, your heart determines the outcomes of your life. Before anything can be born in your life, it first gets incubated in your heart. It's got a first lodge in your heart. It, you must first become pregnant of it in your heart. It starts first in your heart before it's manifested as a reality in your life. So the Bible uses that word heart, inner man, spirit, hidden man as well, interchangeably. So say it with me. Our spirit, my heart, influences all of my life. 
Say it again. My spirit, my life, influences all of my life. This is why when God changes us, he first changes us in our hearts. Doesn't change things around you. He changes you in your heart. Because if your heart can be changed, then everything about you can change. Can I hear a good amen in the house? All right. So it's important. So we are admonished, therefore, to keep our hearts, protect our hearts, look after our hearts, protect our spirit. And the reason we need to protect our spirit, according to our text, is because it is the fountain of life. Somebody say fountain. Fountain. Or it is the source of life. Somebody say source. So a fountain, we know, it's, it's a spring. A spring is a source of water. Okay? A fountain, therefore, is the source or the origin of anything. So in other words, before anything can manifest in my life, it first is going to hit me in my heart. Or it's got to be conceived in my heart before it can be born. You'll understand me as I go along. Look at your neighbor. So in other words, it stands first in the heart. All right? It stands first in the heart. So, you know, if someone... You know, for, for instance, in, in, in sometimes when, when, they, when, they, when, they, uh, when somebody is accused, right, and they accuse them of what they call premeditated murder. What does it mean is premeditated? It looks like you can answer me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It means premeditated means pre means before. Meditate means to think of, right? So it means they thought of murdering before they murdered. But the thinking happened in the heart. So they didn't just kill. It first was conceived, incubated, so they thought about it. So they carried out what they thought about. So it's premeditated murder. They didn't just kill. It wasn't on the spare of the moment. And truly speaking, this is exactly what our life is like. Whatever you see around your life, according to this verse, whatever is around your life, first started being conceived in your heart. You'll understand as I go along. I know your amens are, 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 are very measured. Mara, you'll understand in my heart. All right. So that's why when God changes you, he changes you in your heart. Makes you what? A new creature. Because if God can change me in my heart, then my actions will change. My words will change. My life will change. Can I hear an amen in the house? So he says the, the, the heart, therefore, is the source, is the origin of all life. The word source means anything or any place from which something comes from or something arises from or it obtains its origin. So really, it all begins in our hearts. So before anything can manifest in our life, it will first be conceived in our hearts or it will first be incubated in our hearts. Your heart is like a spiritual womb. And you, 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 you incubate, you become pregnant with good or evil. And you give birth to it if you nurse it. So because the heart is the source and the origin, therefore, what comes out of our hearts has the potential, therefore, to poison our lives. So then then it means then I must then look after my heart so that it doesn't conceive what's wrong. I've got to guard my heart from incubating what's not right. Because if it incubates what's wrong, it's going to poison my life. So I've got to guard my heart. I've got to look after my heart. And I'm going to show you in a short while. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 15. Verse 18 in the NIV. Verse 18 and 19. He says, But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. And these are the things that make a man unclean. Look at verse 19. For out of the heart... Comes what? I can look on. Comes what? It's on the screen. Comes what? And what? And 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 and. So you can't tell us we was a failure. You 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 can't tell us we was a failure. No 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 no. You thought about it. All those things. Murder, premeditated, adultery, how I tell a fair. 
Sexual immorality, yeah. Theft. It was brewing in the heart. False testimony, slander. Jesus says, all these things, they come from the heart. But you know what I like? The opposite is true. Look at Matthew 12, verse 35. Jesus says, a good man, that means a good woman too. A good man, out of what? I'm a lavata man. Let's find a little weather. Yes, on the screen. I can hear the people in Midrand saying it before you say it here in Pinville. All the people in Ferienachen, they are saying it more than you. Let's go. It says what? A good man? Out of what? Out of what? Out of the good treasure. Out of the what? Do you see the word treasure? Good treasure? It's a good deposit. It means it has to be full. Out of the good treasure officer does what? Does what? Does what? Brings forth what? Good things. So in the same way you can bring forth evil things, you can also bring forth good things. So it means if you want to see good things being born in your life, conceive them in your spirit. Uh, at least la, at least la papa mayano. So it means therefore, I, I, I shouldn't look at myself as a victim. I must understand it's my heart that is the source. If I can get hold of my heart, if I can make sure my heart incubates what's right, if I can make sure my heart bruise what is right, then I can give birth to what is right in my life. I'm not a victim of circumstances. Can I hear an amen? amen. Tell your neighbor you're not a victim. Yes. Tell your neighbor the choice is yours. Yes. Tell your neighbor it is you who allows it. Yes. Tell your neighbor how I tola fella. Tell your neighbor twada. Twada, how I tola fella. You thought about it. Come on now. Come on now. Come on now. Thought about it. But in the same way, you can think about being a blessing. You can think about doing what's good. You can incubate that. So let's say it again. The choice is yours. Say it with me. The choice is yours. Tell your neighbor, the choice is yours in what you are allowed to incubate. Yeah, Basalon. Yeah. It's also allow it to incubate. And finally, it gets hatched. Just like eggs that hatch. It incubates, stays in a while, in our heart. Finally, it hatches. And finally, it brings about the fruit. Now, here's the good thing, Basalona. We said earlier, the good thing is that when we got saved, God gave us a new spirit, a new heart. Ezekiel 36, verse 26 and 27. Listen what God says. He says, I will give you a new heart. Hallelujah. And put a new spirit within you. Hallelujah. <laughs> I love it. He says, I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Oh, I love it. Yeah, so now, verse 27, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgment and you will do them. Yeah. See, see, so when I received Christ 5th of August 1978, God put a new spirit in there. That's why after you got born again, there are things you don't want to do anymore. Because there's a new spirit inside of you. It's a new heart. Can I hear an amen? Remember the word heart not only speaks to our born again spirit, it talks about our thinking as well. But see, the day I got born again, God, when it comes to my spirit, my heart, God put a new heart. So after you got saved, all you want to do is to do right things. You don't want to do what's wrong. Huh? We used to sing a song, I sing the things I used to do, I do them no more. You remember the, the things I used to do, I do them. But the places I used to go, I don't go anymore. He used to love it. You know, you know. He would go, the dacha I used to smoke, I smoke it no more. The zolo I used to smoke, I smoke it no more. Chibuk I used to drink, I drink it no more. Because God has done something that's new in my life. 
2 Corinthians 5.17 in the Amplified Bible. I love it. It says, therefore, if any person, any person, doesn't matter who you are, young or old, black or white, male, female, hmm? if any person is engrafted in Christ the Messiah, he is what? A new creation. A new creature altogether. It is the old, previous, moral, and spiritual condition has done what? Has done what? Then it says what? Behold the what? And has done what? Give the Lord a big hand for that. The fresh and new has come. Yeah, yeah. When we received Christ, there was a, a huge change that happened in our lives. Huge change. Came a new person. God gave you a new spirit. Can I hear an amen? amen? The message Bible says, now we look inside. In 2 Corinthians 5.17. Now we look inside and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start. Is <laughs> created new. The old life is gone. A new life burgeons. Look at it. Ay! New person. So God changes us in our spirit so that we have a new spirit. We have a new heart. And this new spirit, this new heart, we need to, we need to now incubate things that are different. Now note this. Having said that, this is important. Having said that, even if God has made your heart new, you still need to guard it. Because even after you became a new creature, Satan still wants to put things that are evil in your heart. Yeah. So you must look after your heart. Satan still wants to put things in your heart so that they incubate and they give birth finally. Luke 22. Look at verse 1 to verse 6. It says, The festival of unleavened bread which is also called the Passover, was approaching. The leading priests and teachers of the religious law were plotting to kill Jesus, but they were afraid of the people's reaction. Verse 3. Then Satan entered into Judas Iscariot. Yeah. So Satan wants to enter your spirit. How? Through thoughts, Suggestions. That's how it does. No, Satan entered into Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve disciples. So note, he acts, he acts, he acts on it. Verse four. He went to the leading priests and the captains of the temple to to discuss the best way to betray Jesus to them. So he acted on it. That you are born again, it doesn't mean Satan will not try to put thoughts in your mind. That's why the Bible says we must pull down imaginations and bring down every thought to the obedience of Christ. Yeah. You shouldn't allow stuff to come into you and influence you and just act on it. It's not everything that comes into your mind that comes from God. Your Satan gets in. So you got to guard your spirit. You got to build that wall. You got to build that protective wall. You got to guard your heart above everything. Because it is, it, is the, it is the spring of life. Things can go in there that can mess up my life. Amen. Satan entered into Judas's heart. Verse 5, they were delighted and they promised to give him money. Yeah. So he agreed and began looking for an opportunity. See, he didn't just betray Jesus. It just happened. He didn't just find himself having betrayed. Ah, a thought came. He nested, thought about it. Started making plans, acted on it. That's how we conceive and hatch evil. Look at Acts chapter 5, the New Living Translation. Now these are Christians. In Acts chapter 4, when you go to the last part of it, you find the Spirit of God moved so mightily in the early church that people started selling their houses on their own. And bringing the money and putting it at the apostles' feet. I wish that can happen one day in this place. That you just <laughs> and help us build <laughs> churches. <laughs> huh? Huh? I wish you can just go sell your houses, sell your cars. Literally, 
le nna ke bona maotswa ka cover lo ke chalete one day so people were doing that now watch this pasalan this was a a willful choice people were doing it on their own all right but the next guy we're going to read about he does the same thing mara his heart is wrong look at Acts chapter 5 verse 1 says there was a certain man named Ananias who with his wife Sapphira sold some property. He brought part of the money to the apostle, claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. You know, one of the things I say to couples, and I know I'm, I become very unpopular for the, with this. I personally don't believe in this thing, Hori. If your husband, No, 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 no. I, I'll explain to you, Basalan. Now, I understand we must support one another. But, Basalan, we must be on the side of the truth. Yeah. Here they are. Badumelana as a couple. Badumelana. Babua as a couple. Badumelana. Let's sell our property. Mara. We will lie. Take some of the money and tell them if it let. Somebody should correct somebody here. You should correct your husband. How about You must correct your wife. I know you don't like that, but I tell couples, you know, couples, when it comes to Ntotsamudimune, eh? When it comes to the things of God, we have to be truthful. Okay, I see now your amens are gone, but that's fine. So here it is. With his wife's consent. So, but say, but two as a couple. And the couple, but the Lord didn't. Oh, yeah. Oh, couples. I tell you. <laughs> the couples don't like what I'm saying, right? Verse 2. He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount, with his wife's consent. So, both of them, but you may learn to do what's wrong. Huh? But you may learn. And he kept the rest. Verse 3. Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? Umzalwana, but you didn't guard your heart. You've allowed Satan to give you the idea to lie in church. You come here, you act like in the meantime, you know what you have done. Why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money to yourself. Verse 4. The property was yours to sell or not sell as you wished. God doesn't force anybody. God doesn't force us. No, God didn't force you. There's no, there's no law that says sell your house and give the money. But if you say to God, this is what I'm going to do, you've got to keep to it. Most people don't realize that. God takes seriously our vows. And I know we live in a world where people break their word all the time. So our word doesn't mean much anymore. People think they can just come to church and just lie. Yeah? Yeah. And Peter said, you had a choice. You didn't have to sell the land. There was no need. Or even if you had sold it, you could have still decided to give half. Don't Come and bring it and lie to us for if a lady and wait to People lie to us in church. Yeah, they lie. They lie. Oh, they lie. Yeah. <laughs> and Peter says, How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, you were lying to God. So our main text, therefore, admonish us to guard our hearts. You know the outcome, Yamapilabon. He died, and after he died, his wife followed later on. She came later, an hour later at Kenako Temple in Liena. And Peter asked her, So, and he didn't know what had happened. She also lied and she also died. And both of them, they were taken over. And Peter continues having church. Go read it, go read it. I remember years ago, I heard my father preach on this. It scared me so much, this verse, Kara. So we need to guard our spirits, our hearts, that it doesn't get affected and that evil doesn't enter therein. 
So we need to intentionally build a protective wall around our hearts that it doesn't get affected. Now, here are the things that we're going to discuss that we need to guard against and build a protective wall around our hearts that they don't enter our hearts. Number one, the root of bitterness and unforgiveness. We're going to talk about that today. Now that your amens are no longer strong. Number two, negative words of doubt and unbelief. Talk about that in the coming weeks. Number three, lukewarmness. In winter time, the preaching is powerful. Number four, fear, anxiety, and worry. So these are things we're going to discuss. The root of bitterness and unforgiveness, negative words, doubt, unbelief, lukewarmness, fear, anxiety, and worry. Those are the four. So today, I'll briefly just talk about the root of bitterness. You know, we live in a world that wallows in bitterness and unforgiveness. And Vazalana, unforgiveness and bitterness can enter our hearts and destroy so many things in our lives. Let me read for you in Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. It says, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. It says, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Saying, God forgave you. God forgave us. If God has forgiven me, I have no business not forgiving any other person. Because in comparison to the wrong that anybody can ever do to me, it fails in comparison to the sin I committed against God. And if God was able to forgive me of that sin, how is it that I cannot forgive you of the sin? The Living Bible says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. The Amplified Bible reads, let all bitterness and indignation and wrath, passion, rage, bad temper, and resentment, anger, animosity, and quarreling, brawling, clamor, contention, and slander, evil speaking, abusive or blasphemous language, be banished from you with all malice, spite, ill will, or baseness of any kind, and become useful and helpful and kind to one another, tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, loving-hearted, loving-hearted, forgiving one another, readily and freely as God in Christ forgave you. Many people ruin their lives by taking the poison of bitterness, resentment, and unforgiveness. We allow it into our hearts. You know, the book of Hebrews talks about the root of bitterness. Now, let me read you what Jesus said about unforgiveness. I just read it. In Matthew 18 from verse 25 in the Amplified Bible. It reads, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a human king who wished to settle accounts with his attendants. When he began the accounting, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents, which is about a, a million U.S. dollars. How much is one million U.S. dollars? How much was the exchange rate? 40? 40? 14.2. Yeah, let's make it 14. So this is, four, so it's 10 times 14. This is 140 million dollars. So, so this king is owed by this person 140 million rands. Okay? Now that's not, a, that's not, that's, that's quite a lot of money. 140 million rands. So, because he couldn't pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and everything that he's possessed 
and payment should be made. Here's the question. Do you think you will be worth 140 million? But the master order to Rikana, because you can't pay, you are going to be sold so that I can receive payment. Verse 26. So the attendant fell on his knees, begging the master, have patience with me, and I'll pay you everything. Now, I mean, this guy says to this man, are we in it? 140 million? So I mean, there's no way this guy could repay. But he's asking, he's making a request. Note what happens. Verse 27. And his master's heart was moved with compassion. And he released him, forgave him, canceled the debt. He didn't even ask, Mamela, he didn't even ask to be forgiven. He was saying, I'll pay you back, which, which wouldn't be a possibility. 140 million. But the master, moved with compassion, forgives him. Verse 28. But the same attendant, as he went out, found one of his fellow attendants who owed him a hundred denarii which is about $20. 20 times 14. Yeah, 20 times 14. Eh? So he found his fellow servants who owed him 280 rands. His fellow brother, 280 rands. Now, can, can, you, can you repay 280 rands? Of course you can. It's not like 140 million. Finds a guy who owes him 280 rands. Not what he does. My goodness. He caught him by the throat. And said, pay me what you owe. And this is not, this is not, this is not what his master had done to him. He's been forgiven, Mara, his attitude towards his fellow brother, who, by the way, can pay him 280 rands. He catches him by the throat, says, pay you all. Verse 29, his fellow attended, fell down, begged him earnestly, give me time, and I'll pay you all. And I think he could. I think he could. Verse 30, but he was unwilling and he went out and had him put in prison till he should be able to pay the debt. Ah, yeah. When his fellow attendants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and they went and told everything that had taken place to their master. Then his master called him and said, you contemptible and wicked attendant, I forgave and canceled all that great debt of yours because you begged me to do. And should you not have had pity and mercy on your fellow attendant as I had pity and mercy on you? Now watch verse 34. And in wrath his master turned him over to the torturers, the jailers, till he should pay all that he owed. And Jesus turns it, verse 35, he says, so also my heavenly father will deal with every one of you if you do not freely forgive your brother from your heart his offenses. Yeah. Yeah. See that bitterness you have against somebody, that unforgiveness you have against somebody, God says 280 rands worth of wrong. When you've been forgiven, when you have been forgiven of 140 million rands worth of debt, that's the comparison. When God looks at me not forgiving you and being bitter, God said, Mus, I don't understand. And this is what Jesus says. He says, if you're not going to forgive the other, then your master, even if he forgave you, he'll be forced. He'll be forced to hand you over to the torturers. Even if you're God's child. God will let Satan have access to your life. And that's how they will not work. 
Yeah, that's what that forgiveness does. So if we don't forgive people, we get turned into the treacherous. When you walk in unforgiveness, Satan has free flow in your life. Even if you are the redeemed of the Lord. Can't work anymore. Even the name of Jesus can't work on him anymore. Not only do you get tortured by Satan, but also hateful thoughts towards another person torture you as they roll in your head. So here's the question. Who are you helping the most when you forgive? You're helping yourself. Studies reveal that even a simple spat with your spouse or a long-held resentment towards a family member or unresolved conflict can go deeper than you may realize. It may even affect your physical health. This is what studies are showing. Studies have found that the act of forgiveness can reap huge rewards for your health, lower than the risk of heart attack, improving cholesterol levels and sleep, reducing pain, blood pressure, and levels of anxiety, depression, and stress. Research points to an increase in the forgiveness health connection as you age. There's a connection. The more you forgive, the more healthy you are. Dr. Karen Swartz says there's an enormous physical burden to being hurt and disappointed. Chronic anger puts you into a fight or flight mode which results in numerous changes in your heart rate, blood pressure, and immune response. Those changes then increase the risk of depression, heart disease, diabetes, among other conditions. Forgiveness, however, calms stress levels leading to improved health. So the question we must ask is, can you really learn to be more forgiving? Because you see, forgiving is not just saying the words. It's an active process in which you make a conscious decision to let go of negative feelings, whether the person deserves it or not. Actually, as you release the anger, resentment, and hostility, you begin to feel empathy, compassion, and sometimes even affection for the person who wronged you. Studies have shown that some people are just more naturally forgiving. Consequently, they tend to be more satisfied with their lives and to have less depression, anxiety, stress, anger, and hostility. People who hang on to grudges, however, are more likely to experience severe depression and post-traumatic stress disorder, as well as other health conditions. But that doesn't mean they can't train themselves to act in healthier ways. So I'm going to show you as I close steps to learning how to let go of bitterness and resentment. You see, the act of forgiving is our seed of obedience to God's word. We obey God's word. Once we have sown our seed, God is faithful to bring the harvest of blessing to us one or another. So number one, decide. Step number one. You'll never forgive until you feel like it. Let me say that again. You'll never forgive until you feel like it. In other words, choose to obey God and steadfastly resist the devil in his attempt to poison you with bitter thoughts. Make a quality decision not to allow those bitter thoughts. Make a decision, I'm going to forgive now. And God will heal your wounded emotions. Number two, depend. Number one, decide. Number two, depend. See, you cannot forgive without the power of the Holy Spirit. For us as human beings, it is hard. No wonder the Bible tells us in the book of Romans 5 that the Holy Spirit has been poured upon in our hearts. Rather, the love of God has been poured upon in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. 
God will enable you, but you must humble yourself to depend on him. So in other words, just say to God, God, even if I don't feel like it, I choose to forgive. And I'm depending on you to help me to forgive. In Jesus' name, I forgive so and so. Number three, obey. The word of God tells us to do several things concerning forgiving our enemy. So on number three, A, pray for your enemies. Pray for that person who's abusing you and misusing you. Pray for their happiness and welfare. Don't hold them with the heart. Oh. Pray for them. Pray for their happiness. Pray for their welfare. Pray for them. B, bless them. Romans 12, 14 says, bless those who curse you. The word bless means to speak well of. To curse means to speak evil of. You can't walk in forgiveness and be a gossiper. Actually. I'm talking about building a protective wall around your heart. You must stop repeating the offense. Sometimes people have come to me, you know what so-and-so is saying about you? And I say, look, Kikupa, I don't want to even know. Because I, st- I want to continue loving them. Hey. You can't get over it if you continue to talk about it. Number four, let go of expectations. In other words, an apology may not change your relationship with the other person. Or even elicit an apology from them. I once went to somebody years ago, and as I was talking there, they were sitting like this, one shabili so. So I talked, and I hadn't done anything wrong either. I was just trying to resolve the matter. I said, no, I'm sorry, I want our relationship to be restrained. And then they said, Ophedit. Yeah. Now listen, Bazalan. Don't worry. You've done your part. You've done your part. You, you, in so far as God's concerned, you've done your part. And it might be good for me to tell you now that my relationship with that person is good now. Very good. Extremely good. Extremely good. Yeah. Yeah. Leave it to God to work it out. See, our problem is we're trying to sort it out ourselves. Yeah. I will not lower my standard. That's where pride comes in. <laughs> Most people want to stay mate. No one wants to take the first step to say I'm sorry. So there's a stalemate. And the problem is the longer the stalemate, the more things get worse. By the time so much has been damaged, so much harm. But the problem is the tormentor inside the lack alone. Yeah. In the process, things they are saying, because you've opened the door for Satan, whatever he likes. Sickness, disease, Everything, everything. Stress, high, high, keep look everything. you're holding on. When? To your bitterness. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to lower myself to their stand. But even if you're doing that, the abuser, he's doing this, and then things, your things are not working. You're not happy, 
Even when you pray, you know, the Bible shows us your faith won't work, your prayers don't work. God, God, Jesus taught us, forgive us as you forgive our trespasses. As we forgive those who trespass against us. So even if you pray, God doesn't listen anymore. Yeah! In the book of Timothy, it says they've been held captive by Satan to do his will. Those who strive. So you, you, you are a child of God, but you are in Satan's prison. So the name of Jesus doesn't work because you, you are out of God's will. You're out of God's will. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's conclude. How should you forgive? Who should you forgive, rather? Forgive the person who badly hurt you, even long ago. And even the stranger who stepped on your toe in the grocery store. Forgive them. The quicker you do it, the easier it is. Matthew 10, 8 says, freely you have received, freely give. To forgive means to excuse a fault, to absolve from payment. It means to pardon, to send away, to cancel, to bestow favor unconditionally. B, forgive God if you are angry with him. Sometimes you become angry with God. Yeah. Something happens in your life and you feel it was unfair, you don't understand. I must be honest, Basal, and I've shared this testimony. After my father passed on, even though I didn't, fall, I didn't readily say it, I was angry with God. I was. I was really angry with God. And I knew I was very wrong about it. But I was angry. Because I thought, here's a man who's lived well, run his family well, righteous man, I was expecting him to live to be 80 or 90 years. Just after about on pension, he didn't live that long. He passed on. Why? You know? I mean, I thought, but why him? I mean, there's the other people down the road. You know? <laughs> no, I'm being honest. I'm being honest. He's such a good man. I mean, he was a, my, he was a good father. I had a good father. He was a good man. Good husband to our late mom. Good father to his children. Good man in the community. Good teacher. A blessing. Good in the church. He helped me in the church. You know, loved him so dearly. I mean, I was looking forward to him being on pension. I was looking forward to me and him having conversations when I'm much older now. I could ask for his wisdom. But he didn't stick around. I'm thinking, God, in that old walk, a few houses from here. He beats his wife, he drinks, he does all these things. I can't understand that. Now, I know these things we're afraid to talk about. We don't want to talk about. But I was angry for one year. I never brought up the matter with God. One solid year. And one day we were coming back from Nigeria, my bishop, Mo. We were on a plane. And that trip was a difficult trip for us. We got sick there. We ate food that was poisoned. Came coming back. She was not well. There was no medication on the plane to be given to her. And I can see she's not well. And, and all of a sudden, in the midst of all that, all of a sudden, this thing hit me. From nowhere. Just hit me. And for one solid hour, I sobbed uncontrollably. Couldn't stop. I mean, I'm not talking about, no. No, I'm talking about loud stop. I mean, I tried to be decent about it. I couldn't. <laughs> just, like a, just like a well has broken. Only here. I sobbed so hard. Finally, I just said, God, why? I knew the answer. I knew the answer. I knew God didn't. He's not the one who caused that. Sickness and disease that caused that. I knew God loved my dad. I knew he was going to heaven. But I still had this feeling. Why? Yeah. Sometimes we need to learn to forgive God. Why give me a child like this? Why take my husband from me? That's what Why take my wife? Why take my children? Why make me lose the job? I'm going to do that today. And finally, you may even need to forgive situations or objects. The post office, the bank, The store that cheated you. 
You bought something on eBay, it wasn't okay. You bought a car that's now troubling you. In short, get rid of the poison. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. See, unforgiveness is spiritual filthiness. But my goodness, it can get washed in the water of God's word. It can get washed in the blood of Jesus. It can get removed from our lives. As we present it before a God who forgave us of 140 million rands. He forgave us. Even if, we, even, if we, even if we didn't ask him to. He forgave us. Says, I'm letting you go. I forgive you of your sin. But God looks at us. But 140 rands? 280 rands? You mean you can't forgive them? 280 rands? You, you mean you can't forgive them? Or 280 rands? So here we go. We're going to go into a time of prayer right now. Just for a few minutes. And I'm going to ask you. I don't want you to try and dig up your old bones. I don't want you to try and go dig up any... Skeletons from the cupboard. But anything that's fresh on your mind that you want to bring before God, under your breath, right where you are, I want you to bring it before God, whatever it is. And say, Father, I'm letting go of this poison. I'm letting go of this poison. I don't want it in my spirit anymore. It's ruining my life. It's messing up my walk with you. And I guarantee you, if you will do it with honesty, sincerity, and truthfulness, God's going to remove the burden and the load from off your shoulders. And God will forgive you. Because remember the last time you stopped forgiving, God stopped forgiving you of all your wrongs. And today God will forgive you of all your wrongs. What should make you clean? Let's pray right now. Under your breath, just pray. Talk to God right where you are. Pray all over the place. Pray all over the place. Just tell God, God, I'm sorry. Under your breath, Father, I'm sorry. Name that person. They may have passed on. Name them. Bring their name. Bring the name. Here it is God. I'm letting go. And today if that person is in this place. Make up your mind before you go home. You're going to approach them and talk to them. Say I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Draw me close to you. Never let me go Lay it all down again To hear you say that I'm your friend Yes, Lord, that's what I'm doing about our eyes closed. Just remain seated, everybody. Father, we lay our lives. We'll obey you. We'll do what you tell us to do. Now that we have forgiven, now that we have let go of bitterness, 
Unforgiveness. We ask you to forgive us. Forgive us of our wrong. Forgive us of our sin. Forgive us of our transgression. Forgive us of our disobedience. Forgive us of our waywardness. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us. Forgive us. And now we receive your forgiveness. Now we receive the cleansing of the blood of Jesus. For your word says, if we will confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We receive our forgiveness and our cleansing. In Jesus' name. Keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. If you are here today and you haven't received Jesus as Savior and Lord, and you want God to forgive you of your sins, oh, God is willing. God is waiting for you to change you and make you a child of God. You are here today. When you look at your life, you realize maybe you are far from God. Maybe, maybe your life is not going in the direction it's supposed to go. But today, you want to say, God, here's my life. Here's my life. Would you change me and make me a child of God? All right. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. If you need prayer, I want to pray for you. Would you raise your hand right where you are, please? Because you need the prayer. Just raise your hand. Thank you for those hands. Raise it up. All over the place. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. There's forgiveness. There's room on the cross. There's forgiveness in the blood of Jesus. He's a God who forgives whatever has gone wrong in our lives. He forgives. May I ask all the people who raise their hands, would you please stand on your feet right where you are? Would you please just go ahead. Stand on your feet right where you are. I want to pray for you. Thank you. All over the place. Just stand on your feet. Don't be afraid. If you raised your hand, stand on your feet. Go ahead. All over the place. All over the place. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to ask you just to come from where you stand. I want to pray for you. Come and stand in the front. And as you come.